0: Okay, then we're ready to get going. So if you go ahead and find your seats, grab one of those, and we'll be able to give you this final talk of our my time with you. Let me just tell you how much I have enjoyed getting to meet a lot of you. If you want to turn your chairs and face me, it'd be perfectly fine. I hate I hate to I hate to sit up here for the next 25 minutes and do this. So this is not much fun of a position to get into. So feel free to move to any of the tables where you can kind of be facing forward. It's kind of hard if you're me talking to your back too. So (laughs) I would like to see your faces too. So this will be fun, I hope. And this will be hopefully a challenging way to end our time together. And uh, it's always a joy to be here at this wonderful facility and to be with the staff that's here. And I'm agreeing with everything. And Becky and I are going to pray what it means for us to be a foundational friend to help this camp because it's helped my family. And they love it, and it's impacted them. And they—if if anything, it's impacted my own kids and grandkids and stuff. I want to have a role in it. I want to have a part to play in it. And so I told you, we try to live by a principle that's called never resist a generous impulse. And in the midst of all that chaos, I felt like we're supposed to give—we're supposed to give the help uh, of this place. So I want to have a generous impulse to help it. And the difference in here in, what he was doing was tough because it was some of it, stuff like you're using clickers and you're using all the live stuff here. I just make sure all my stuff is on that computer right there at the back so they can control it from there. And I look forward to being able to share this message with you tonight to kind of end our time together because we have had a great time. And since it's, I've told you I've taught this series called This Is My Story, what I've enjoyed is hearing your stories each week when we sit down for, each night, I mean, when we've sat down for lunch or dinner, we've sat with different families. And I sat with a whole group of people that are friends from a whole area that have all kinds of things they do together. And we met all these people tonight. And I love hearing the, your stories of how you met and what you do and some of the ministries you're involved in. And so it's been great for me to be able to pray with some of you, to help some of you, to encourage some of you. And so I, Becky and I are just absolutely honored just for the, op- the opportunity and the privilege to be able to talk with you. And tonight, we'll give one final talk. I'm going to ask you to remember four simple words. If you remember those words, it's going to be a help to you. They won't come to later, and I'll tell you when to learn them. From now, you don't have to listen real well. But when you get to those four words, I really want you to get those four words. We're going to do a talk tonight simply called The Vine and the Branches. Tell you a story about Jesus near the end of his earthly ministry. He was with his disciples in the upper room. In this upper room, they were taking that last communion meal. We call it the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. You might call it the Eucharist or was there different name, communion, different name for this meal that was served. Because after this night, he will be arrested, he will be tried, he will be crucified. And as they leave this room, they walk outside down among a row of ancient vineyards. And it's there when Jesus stops and he reaches for a grape branch and he speaks the following words to them. And here's what he said. One of the last things he ever told them, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is about to teach them such a powerful lesson at this place. If you ever felt like your life has been filled with confusion or it's been filled with doubt or not knowing what's happening and going on, that's what's about to happen to these guys. Because they really thought he was going to help them to lead, to get them to repel the Roman Empire and set up his kingdom right now, right there at that place. And all of a sudden, when they realized he's probably going to be going away and how's this God aunt, going to end, they were, they were confused about a lot of things, like often that we are. So I hope this teaching will speak to you today, just like it was meant for the disciples earlier, because sometimes we're confused. Sometimes we have doubt. If we don't have doubt, we don't need faith. If I, if I knew everything I was poss- possibly ever supposed to know, I wouldn't need faith. But I need faith all the time. Because of doubts that creep in and confusion and difficulties and hard times and sufferings, we need to have faith to go forward and persevere and endure all the things that we have to go through. So here's what it says now in John 15, starting in verse 1, some random verses through verse 8. "'I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so it will be more fruitful.'" I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And this is interesting. Apart from me, you can do what? Thank you, all 12 of you. I appreciate that. We'll try one more time. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not a few good things. Maybe something good here, something. No, no. Apart from him, you can do nothing. He's the one that gives you the breath to breathe every day makes the blood flow through your body, gives you two feet to walk. All those things that we just take for granted without him giving us the ability to do that, we could do nothing. And that's our wonderful God. And he told these guys that. And he said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. We've been talking about that too, making disciples that make disciples. So some of the last words to his followers were about remaining strong to the vine and to produce fruit. The vine is actually the trunk of the plant, and it grows to be about 36 inches tall. Then all the branches go out from that onto a terrace, propped up to get the most sunlight and most of the air that's necessary for the plants to prosper. I like fruit. I'm a lover of fruit. I'm not so much about vegetables, though I know you're supposed to have vegetables too, but you give me fruit, I could eat any fruit on that screen right there. One of my favorites is watermelon. We had one the other day that was so good. My grandkids said, this is the best watermelon we have ever tasted. And I said, yeah. I thought it was. It was incredible. I could ingest an entire watermelon sometimes. I love it so much. All this fruit. Fruit is a wonderful thing given to us by God. And he's talking now about literal fruit, but He's going to shift that to talk about a different kind of fruit fruit represents this it represents when in this story good works a thought an attitude or an action of yours that God values because it does glorify him and you too will feel good you knowing this that you've done the right thing in the right way at the right time for the right reason anytime that's happened in any decision you've made and those things come into play then you're exhibiting the fruit Of the Spirit. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second here because there's the fruit of the Spirit. It's in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. These nine things are what God calls fruit. And anytime these things are happening in your life or your children's lives, don't you love it when you see some of these characteristics in your own kids? And boy, when that happens, that's the cherry on the top. They are growing up. They are getting it. Something's changing in their life, and I see progress in this person. When they leave this camp, they will be stronger spiritually than when they came to this camp. When my grandkids have been here before and we've gone home, we've talked about it. What did you learn? What did the counselors mean to you? What are some things that you can say that's been better for you now as a result of being at Gull Lake? They share some great stuff. And so that's why I love being at a place like this. But here's what it says in Galatians. But here's the fruit of the Spirit it's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And whenever you see any of this in your life, that's good news. Whenever you see that in your spouse, it's good news. Whenever you see it in your kids, when you ever see it in your grandkids, this is great news. Any of these things that you see happening. When I see my grandkids say, we'll take the trash out. I'll go down to Daristales and do this. And when we were loading our car, man, those kids were so good at bringing stuff out, helping us load this car and get ready to go. They didn't complain when three of them had to cram into the back seat of this van. And sit back there for hours and still one day they could get back up maybe into one of the middle rows or something. And they just had such a good attitude and spirit, even though we were driving in cramped conditions for a 12-hour drive. Love it when I see that. This is amazing, too. In John fifteen sixteen, he said this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, and that is fruit that remains. Anytime fruit's in my house, it never remains. We eat it and it's gone, but this is different. This kind of fruit's going to have lasting value, lasting blessing. This is the kind of fruit that's a little bit different. There's a very key word in that verse, and it's the word remains. i ask you this question. How do I remain married? How do I remain married? I remain married by doing the right things for my wife, for loving her well for meeting her needs, for finding out what she likes. Today, she told me something she would like. We got that for her. And anything that I sense that's going on and when we decide on what we give or something, that we talk about things, and we're able to be generous and help people and do stuff. When we do that, we, we grow in our relationship with each other. When I do marriage counseling for people before the, I do a wedding, I say, it takes three people, I told you that the other day, to make a marriage work. Husband, wife, here's God, and as you get closer to God, you get closer to each other. And that can help your marriage remain. We go to church on an ongoing basis. We pray together. We give money together. We, we love each other. We listen to podcasts sometimes and videos and stuff like that that are spiritual in nature and talk about things and have uh, realize we want to invite people that don't know God into our home. She invites a whole ladies group to come into our home once a week and play some games. And we play pickleball with a whole lot of people. We find people that are, we don't believe are believers, and we invite them over to our house for dinner and we kind of get to know them and kind of share God with them and share our lives with these people. And that's kind of our mission field right now with people. And when we do these kind of things together and do things for our grandkids, it helps to strengthen our marriage. And fortunately, if we make it till Christmas, it'll be 50 years. If we mess up royally, might not make it. But we're really on the final stretch, the home stretch now, and I think we're going to actually make it. And so that's how you remain married. How do you remain on the job that you work on? You got to show up. You got to be on time. You got to work hard. You got to make effort. You got to do whatever the boss wants you to do. And if you do all these things, maybe you get a promotion. You remain there on that job. How do you, I remain to love and see my children grow and mature? You got to have a lot of patience. My wife says this. When our kids were in middle school, particularly our daughter, when she was in middle school, she didn't like her. We loved her. She didn't like her because of her attitude, because of her tongue, because of things she was doing. And Dr. Dobson was her salvation. He was the guy on the radio, on Focus on the Family, teaching us all these principles about raising kids and stuff like this. And here's what he basically said about middle school kids and and kids that live in your house before they become adults. Get them through it. That was the words he would give her. And Becky would always say, Angela did X, Y, Z, but we're going to get her through it. She didn't do real good on the port card. She made an F in math now. We're going to get her through it. We're going to get her through it. We're going to make sure we get her through it. And with the boys, we want to get them through it to adolescence and up to young adulthood. And then finally, we're empty nests. When we became empty nests, it was a glorious day in our house. It was a joyous day in our house that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, anything we want without having to do anything regarding any kid that lives in our house anymore. It's wonderful. Some people say it makes me cry. thinking about becoming empty nesters. It made me rejoice with great exceeding joy. And so that's what we really like. And we have an awesome life right now. But our kids are grown up. Our kids are serving the Lord. Their grandkids are all Christians. We've seen all our kids saved and baptized. And so that, if, if, if nothing else happens, and we've seen our kids come to faith, and our grandkids come to faith, then that's good enough for me. That'll, that's all. I'm so happy about that. And you might say, I've got a prodigal. Don't give up praying for them. Don't give up, even if you got people that are struggling right now. The last chapter's not been written yet on their lives. Trust God about that kid. Love that kid unconditionally and see what God will do for them. How to remain with God's blessing and favor in my life? Well, you do some stuff. You pray. You, you read God's word. You have God thoughts all during the day. And as you do things like that, you'll start to feel the right way. And then when you do all of this, you're going to find out you're doing this very thing the verse talks about, and that is this you abide. You learn to abide in Jesus, abide in Christ, and spend time thinking about Him, making Him a, a priority in your life on a day by day basis. Now, let's see a vine dresser who gets up early in the morning to check on his harvest crop. He walks around and he begins to see different things into the fields of where he planted these grapevines and these vineyards. There'll be four baskets on the ground, and in those baskets, the first one you're gonna see has no fruit in it whatsoever. There's a no fruit in this basket. You see a little one farther down that has some fruit in the basket. Go a little farther, you see one that has more fruit in, ba- in the basket, and finally, you turn the corner in the harvest, and, and looking at the place where they're planted, and you see this massive amount of grapes, and you call that much fruit. Now, that's the four different things. If you read through this, and you study this passage particularly, That'll make a, lot, make a lot more sense to you. But I challenge you on this. If you're kind of a, a, a no-fruit person, I don't, I don't think anybody hears that, frankly. If you come to a Christian camp like this and you're wanting to raise your kids for the Lord like y'all, I believe y'all are, I don't think we... You, you might, but I don't think we have any no-fruit people here. But we may have a person here that's kind of a some-fruit person, and by the time you leave the camp, I'd like to see you go from some-fruit to more-fruit. If you're kind of a more-fruit person... I'd love to see you go down to a much-fruit person. So this is where I would like to see you all end up in your life, even though you might not quite be there yet. That's something I want to remain and I want to continue to strive for in my own life and try to become that person because you never quit the school of discipleship. You never graduate from the school of discipleship. You can get a master's degree from such and such university or a Ph.D. You never graduate from this school. There's always something else to learn, always something else to read, something else to understand about God's Word. You can never plumb the entire depths of this book, even though you've read it and read it and read it and read it. There's still more things for you to learn in this book. I found that to be true all the time. And I've been doing this for many, many decades, still reading stuff and finding things. I've never thought of that before. Wow. And that will happen to you. Underline it. Write it down. Meditate on it. Think about it. Think God's thoughts about it. You'll see fruit begin to increase in your own life. Now, here's what a vine dresser does. When they see branches heading toward the dirt in the ground, they gently lift them back up and attach them to the upper trellis. And when the branches of your life fall into the dirt in the world, he does not throw you away, but he lifts you up to clean you off and help you learn how to flourish in your faith. That's what our God does as the vine dresser. The Bible calls this process, something very unusual, calls it chastening. And this is the best good news that we often don't want to hear. <laughs> Who likes to be chastened? I never liked it when my dad had to chasten me, and my kids never liked it when we had to chasten them too, and we had to stop and punish them in some way that we, that we agreed to. But here's what's true about God and His chastening. The Father never disciplines you out of anger, rage, or selfish control. In the Bible, he says he disciplines that out of love, and it's for our good. It's the idea that this hurts me more than it hurts you. I'm good. I know what's best, and you don't yet. You're not quite where I am, and I'm going to have to tell you some hard stuff. I'm going to have to make some tough rules about this. You may not understand it, but you're going to see the value as you get older. That happens for every kid that grows up in an environment learning to trust that his parents do know what's best for them. And so the truth is, all about this is to abide in him. Abide in him. And here's the four words I want you to learn. I'm going to show you in just a minute a song that my son has written, and he'll perform, and I'll show it to you with the final video of the night. But when I do, he'll sing these words many, many times in this song, and the words of this song are simply this, I depend on you. Remember, without me, you can do what? Nothing. So if I can do nothing, (laughs) I better depend on Him to help me to do anything. I've got to depend on God to help me, give me whatever it is I need to do whatever it is He's called me to do. I have to depend on Him. I can't appeal to my own strength, my own intellect, as measly as it is. I can't appeal, I cannot do that. I have to depend on Him. So to have those four words on your lips, I want to just practice with me right now. Put your hand up in the air and look to heaven and say those words with me out loud. Ready? I depend on you. Ready? Ready? I depend on you. Thanks. And in a minute, when you see that song and you hear Aaron singing those words, just whisper those words out loud or sing them out loud when he's singing those words. It's an easy song to learn, and it's all about abiding in Christ. But whenever he says those four words, you can kind of join in with the song and you can say, I depend on you. I depend on you. And those are great words for you to have on your lips. That's what Jesus wants for you to say. And when you start to make that true in your life, God will want you to become more deeply involved with him, a better friend to him, more daily truth learned about him and his word. And that's an amazing thing. Within verse 6 in John 15, Jesus says to abide 10 times. That should be your most important friendship ever. Being a friend of God, it means you will be longing for and looking forward to your time with a person in the morning when you rise, and the person that you talk to before you lay your head down on your pillow is the last thought on your brain. I ask God sometimes when I'm sleeping to give me spiritual dreams. Speak to me about spiritual insights that I can can understand as you speak to me in my sleep. That's a wonderful thing for you to do, more of God in your daily life. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says this. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, and that's what I don't want you to do, though outwardly, what I know this is true is I'm almost, you know, I'm 70 years old now. We are wasting away. That means our flesh every year that we live gets older and older, less and less what it used to be like when you were younger and younger. And as you're, you're going up in a, a, in, a, in a trajectory of 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe 50s, no one keeps going up to 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and die. That doesn't happen. Somewhere along the line, you start going back down the mountain. For some, it's a certain age. It's not a one-age-fits-all, but there's a time when you realize, I don't do the things I used to do as easy when I was 30 or 40 years old. For me, it's kind of in the knees. The knees have not been quite what they always have been in the past. I played a lot of sports when I was young. I was pretty quick, pretty fast at various things. And so, even when I was playing pickleball, I was pretty quick and fast. You hit a shot over my head, four steps backwards, I could run, get a lob shot, smack it right back at you. You hit it three feet to my left, I could go quickly over there and smack that ball right back at you. Now, it's a little different. It's fun playing with 70-year-olds now. It's a little different than playing these 21 and 25-year-old kids that we used to play with. All of a sudden, you hit one over my head, and now I say, good shot, good shot. I'm ready to play, and I'm all set to play, and they hit one four feet to my left. I just say, after two feet, good shot, good shot. Because I'm not going to injure myself running backwards or hurting the knees by running too far too fast and falling down on the court. So, I have to take it at a different pace, a 70 year old pace. Our body is wasting away. Now, here's what's cool though. Yeah, inwardly, oh yes, we are being renewed day by day. As much as my body's going down the hill like this, my spiritual life can be up the mountain as long and as far as I wanna go till the day I take my last breath. That's the good news. It's like this, extreme. You know, I remember that here. When they, I love that sign they always made here when they used to say that my kids to this day, anything important happens. Daniel always said, extreme. They always do that. They, they do that very, they do the very same, they do that very same thing. So as the body's going down, the spiritual life can be going up. And so for all of you that are getting older, and you all are, you can be renewed day by day. Look, for our light and momentary troubles for achieving us are an eternal glory that far outweighs all the physical stuff at all. That's what that says. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And so what's true about that? <laughs> what's true about that is I realize now that at this age, my body is wasting away, 70 years old. Used to be young and vibrant and all that kind of stuff. And this is where I'm headed right now, as well as everybody in this room. Until the Lord comes, and my, I really believe that the Lord could come in our lifetime. We could, we could, we could easily be the last generation alive when Jesus comes back. I, I really believe that. My heart. I've never believed it more than I ever have right now. And boy, I hope that's true. That's, that's my hope and desire. We have a book at our house that Becky puts on our coffee table, and it says, where have all the people gone? And we say, what does that mean? That means if we get raptured, people will be busting in my house looking for food and shelter and, you know, people that are still left on planet Earth, and they're going to find that book. Where have all the people gone? It tells about, well, they're not here because we've been, now we're with Jesus in heaven. We've been taken to be with him. However, you need to have a relationship with him, and here's how you do it. And it's a gospel presentation that they can get saved. They can get saved during the tribulation. And so, we're just going to give them instructions how to do that. And we have it laying on our coffee table. You break in my house, it's going to be a good decision for you when we're long gone. Where have all the people gone? That's that's my wife. She's thinking about the people getting saved even after we're gone. I thought, how cool is that? So slower, knee pains. I have to get up now in a chair. You know what I find to get up in a chair? I like to push up with my hands to stand up. I used to just pop out of a chair. Now I look around, (laughs) saying, "What can I? I can hold here, and I can stand up. This is much easier to push up and to do this. So that's what I'm having to learn to do: slowing down. But it's okay. That's just the way life is. But I still want to be growing spiritually every day, more fruit for God." the best that I can possibly doing. My spiritual walk and fruit bearing can increase and get better and better to my last breath on planet Earth. Isn't that great? That's good news for me. That's good news for you. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Ask him to help you bear more fruit and much fruit in your life and his glory. So say those words with me one more time. What are they? I depend on you. Now watch this video of my son. He's a worship leader, was in Atlanta for 20 years, and now he's in Colorado Springs, and he's a worship leader at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, and he's been out there for the last few years. He's a songwriter. He has a worship school where he's trained probably, I don't know, 500, 800 worship leaders to get a three-year master's to program in worship through a school he's created. Used to be called 10,000 Fathers, but women said I would love to be in this school, but I'm not going to become the 10,000 and first father. And so now it's called 10K Fam, Fathers and Mothers. Much better name. And he trains a lot of women in worship leading, a lot of men in worship leading. And that's what he's gifted in. And he's an incredible songwriter. He wrote this song. It's simply called Abide. And so remember, when you hear those words, I depend on you, just sing along with him. It's pretty cool. I like it. I hope you will too. Let's watch this and then I'll pray a blessing over you.
1: deep in- I pass through death as I enter rest. I depend on.
0: baby boy I hope that's been a blessing to you. you let me pray a blessing over you say those words with me out loud as you look up to heaven right now again ready I depend on you one more time I depend on you Father for every open hand and every open heart may we all depend on you we depend on you to give us some fruit may that multiply into more fruit May that multiply into much, much fruit in the lives of our individual lives, in the lives of our marriages, in the lives of our families. We want to have fruit that remains, and we want to abide in you all the days of our life. So bless this camp, Lord. We pray for Gold Lake. We pray that people would support it. We pray that people would come and people would give, and all the needs of this camp would be met because of people that love you with all of their heart, mind, strength, and soul. So, thank you for the joy to have been with these dear people the last few days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God's people said, Amen. Been a joy to be with you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.